Dr. C here. Before we begin, I'd like to make sure that you're aware that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is a leading provider of online therapy, and they provide video, phone, or live chat sessions with a licensed professional therapist. It's affordable, and you can connect with your therapist within 48 hours. Now, as a special offer to our surviving narcissism listeners, they'll offer a 10% discount for your first month of professional therapy. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com, that's betterhelp.com slash surviving narcissism podcast. I know that many of you would find online therapy to be quite life-changing, and so go to betterhelp.com slash surviving narcissism podcast, and many thanks to the people at BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Surviving Narcissism Podcast with your host, Dr. Les Carter. I'm Michaela, the program director, and in today's episode, Dr. Carter will discuss how narcissists carry pervasive neediness inside. Well, hello, Team Healthy. I've got a lot that I want to talk with you about today, and in doing so, I want to see if we can go behind the scenes or go underground, if you will, and talk about some of the things that actually drive the narcissist to be what they are. One of the things that I hope that you can truly understand and appreciate is narcissists, despite the fact that they want to present themselves as being the standard bearers of all that's right and proper and good, are desperately insecure. They're desperately needy on the inside. Now, again, they do not want you to know that. They won't even admit it to themselves, but there are so many evidences to the contrary that that's something we're going to need to look at and understand. Narcissists want you to think you're a deeply problematic, you're a deeply troubled kind of person when in fact they carry all sorts of unfinished business on the inside of themselves. But to to their advantage, if you want to put it that way, they've decided, well, but if I can focus on you and what's wrong with you, then I don't have to look at me. But I want us to look at who they are because in doing so, it allows you to have the type of objectivity that's necessary so that you can learn how to respond to these individuals without getting pulled into all the many dysfunctions that they carry on the inside. Now, let's go to that word needy. Are you a needy person? Now, we, we tend to think of that word in a kind of a, a um, pathological kind of way. When we say a person is needy, the implication is it's an exaggerated thing that's on the inside, and, and I totally get that. But at, at the same time, let's acknowledge every one of us is needy to a certain extent. We all have basic needs that uh, that uh, drive us and are a part of how we do things. For example, um, you know, we, we want to, uh, to know that we can connect with other individuals and we can find people that are trustworthy and that we can get away from pain and we can have uh, enjoyable kind of situations. We all need those kind of things. We don't want misery. We want and we desire and we need uh, uh, peace and stability. What I'd like to do <clears throat> is I'd like for us to just go through a list of some of the most common needs that we all have. And I want us to take a look at how this is, uh, these kind of needs are, are processed on the inside of the narcissist because 
you'll begin seeing that they process their neediness or their needs in a very different way that a healthy individual would do so. Now, right there at the top of the list, let's just kind of go down and see what some of the basic needs are. Right at the top of the list, we can say that you need and I need and the narcissist needs affirmation. That's, that's about as core as it gets. I wasn't there on the day that you were born, but I pretty much know what you did. I mean, literally, in the first moment of life, you screamed. You hollered and you said, hey, it's me. Get over here and take care of me right now. And you wanted someone to tend to you. Obviously, you had physical needs, but they're literally in the first moment of life. There's this cry that says, affirm me. Take care of me. Acknowledge my humanity. Acknowledge that I'm here. Do something to help me feel okay about whatever is going on. And of course, that little uh, uh, infant is so, uh, you know, they're, they're not developed, but they know something really different is happening here. We each need to be affirmed. We want to know that we're significant. Well, that's something that the narcissist wants as well. But when a narcissist wants affirmation or says they need affirmation, it becomes something much bigger than that. Affirmation is not the same thing as adoration or being given the favored kind of treatment. And that's what narcissists want. So when, when they say they want to be affirmed or if they think about it at all, it's like, well, you owe it to me. And I've got to be important. I have to know that I'm somebody extremely special to you. So their craving, their need for affirmation comes in a much more exaggerated kind of way. And of course, part of this is their way of thinking, if I don't get that adoration and that admiration from you, then, uh-oh, <laughs> this is not going to go well for me. And so they have a very high focus on what you're going to do to make them feel good about who they are. And right there, you can see that that can become the beginning for a very unhealthy pattern of codependency as they engage with other individuals. And again, they won't necessarily say that. But that's what's really going on because that affirmation need is never quite fully satisfied from the inside out. Now, another need that we have, and this one is, is a bit of a different kind of thing, but why don't, we, uh, why don't we use the word objectivity? We need to have a sense of objectivity in our world so that we can figure out how to maneuver through the highs and lows and the pluses and minuses, or perhaps another way that we can say the same thing is we each carry an, a need for reason on the inside of our imperfections. Little children growing up, and then this continues all the way through into your adult years, are going to have moments where things go wrong. And mistakes are made or miscalculations are there or misunderstanding is there. And so we need to have a, an ability to say, let's sit down and reason this through. And one of the things that I, if you've heard some of my other videos and, uh, and podcasts, uh, one of the things I talk about is what I call the training of emotional competence. We each need to have the training as uh, children and then all the way into the adolescent and uh, deeply into the adult years where it's like, okay, I know the meaning of my, uh, my emotions. I know that when certain things happen, we can think this through in a very careful way. 
Narcissists don't have that objective kind of reasoning when imperfections show up. They, they haven't learned how to tap into a sense of competence because when imperfections show up in the uh, life of the narcissist, they go straight into shame thinking. Now, somewhere along the lines in their earlier years, they learned that if you measure up to all of the correct things and you do things well, then you're going to get accolades and things are going to go well. But if you don't, you're going to be shamed. And so judgment is a very strong uh, theme that's part of the life of the narcissist. And again, much of this is on a subconscious level. And as a result, uh, they, they, uh, that need for reason, that need for objectivity is not well established because they think so heavily in terms of shame. Now, as an adult, typically, rather than them saying, I'm going to receive shame all over myself, what they'll do is they'll say, you know, I'm kind of tired of that concept of shame, but uh, I don't want to receive it. But what I will do is I'll let you carry it. And so they like to become the givers of shame, and it's a way for them to sidestep their own because they don't really have the ability to say, no, wait a minute, let's reason, let's be objective, let's think things through. Uh, a happened, which resulted in B, it affected me this way, it affected you that way, let's figure out how we're going to manage that. Uh, that need has never been uh, properly addressed on the inside. Now, another need, and I alluded to this just momentarily here, Another need that we all have is we want to feel known. We want to be understood. And of course, you can see that that has a lot of implication for the development of empathy. I'm just thinking, look back on your own personal background. Let's say that something really crummy happened to you at age five and you were crying or you were upset or you were mad. And then someone came along and said something to the effect of, hey, let's talk about this. I can tell that you were wanting A, but you got B instead. What's that all about? And so if somebody sits down and talks with you in a caring kind of way, you can eventually, particularly if this happens over and over, you can eventually have this notion that says, well, good. I have some allies in my world who know and understand me. And whenever something does happen, then they take the time to know me from the inside out. Whew. Oh, good. Thank you. That's so nice. Narcissists, as they come into their adult years, don't have that luxury to draw upon. Now, it could be that you didn't have that, but you learned how to overcome that. Narcissists don't really feel like people understand them. They don't feel known. Now, what they want is they want you to know their version of who they think they are. But instead, uh, you can see that they've kind of created this uh, idealized image of who they're supposed to be, and they want you to understand them based on them meeting the ideals. But ultimately, narcissists have a fear of being invalidated and a fear of being uh, just on the outside looking in. They don't have that sense of connection that uh, can give us so much of our sense of peace and some of our, our sense of well-being. That's a need that has not been well established. Another need that we all have is we need to feel like there's a sense of equality between us and other individuals. It's so nice when you think that if you're in a group of individuals that there's not this hierarchy that we have to worry about. Okay, who's the person that is good and decent and who's the person that's a jerk and no good? You know, typically, you know that when you're in groups, there there is that structure where one person may be higher than the other. 
And, uh, and narcissists, by the way, buy into that kind of thinking hook, line, and sinker. They're all the way into that. Who's high, who's low, who's better, who's worse. They think very competitively. But when we talk about having a need to be equal, then we, what we're saying is that wouldn't it be nice if we could engage with one another with the understanding that as our humanity is revealed or as our uh, lack of proper understanding on every single topic in the world is, is shown, that there's going to be this sense that says, well, you know, you have your flaws and your minuses, you have your pluses, me too. And, and so we can have that sense of equality that says, let's not play that one-upmanship game. That's a need that was not addressed because narcissists learn very early on that life is one big competition, and then they think, how can I be the winner, which means there's someone in this world who has to be the loser, and that's you. And so equity is not part of the equation. Uh, invalidation, one-upmanship, win, lose uh, is, is going to be the thing that drives them most. Now, another need that we have, and this was a really large one, and that is we need to have a feeling of freedom. Now, when I say freedom, I don't mean just unbridled, just do anything you feel like you need to do uh, because that can lead to chaos and anarchy. But when I talk about the need for freedom, what I mean is the privilege to choose for yourself who you're going to be. Freedom is defined as the privilege to choose. And one of the things that we can say with young children is even as we're teaching them right from wrong, even as we're guiding children to stay inside certain boundaries and structures, we can do so in such a way where they feel like they have options and choices there. A simple illustration. Let's suppose that you have a nine-year-old kid that's angry with his sister and you're trying to teach that nine-year-old about how to manage anger properly. Now, what you can do is you can speak to that kid in such a way that there's no choice. You'd better not do that again, and I'd better not catch you saying this, these things to your sister. Or you can sit down with that nine-year-old, and you can say, okay, I can tell that there's a lot of anger built up there. Why don't we talk about what that's all about? And then what I'll say is we'll go into the, uh, the choice realm. You know, whenever you feel angry like this, you always have options, and screaming at your sisters is always an option. So is hitting, so is yelling, and all the rest. Let's take a look at the consequences that go along with that option. Or let's take a look at the healthier options that you have. Uh, you can sit down and talk in a natural way to your sister. You can come and talk with a, an adult, and maybe we can sift it out. What, what options make the most sense to you? Now, when you're dealing with a nine-year-old kid, they're not going to catch on right away. But over time, the, that need for freedom, that need to have choices is going to be stronger and stronger. And when you introduce the idea that says, well, you, you can choose for yourself, what we're going to do is we're going to choose the values and the principles. We're going to talk about how those factor in to the decisions you make. Narcissism, don't, uh, that need for freedom uh, is not well established. Uh, either uh, on one extreme, they've been told so heavily what has to be and what must be and what they'd better do that their freedom is robbed. Or on the other end, they can have uh, pretty much an anything goes and yeah, I'm free and I don't really care what it does to everybody else. Somewhere in that equation, uh, they don't catch on to the concept. And by the way, they don't want you to be free at all. So the need for feeling free and the privilege to choose is not well uh, managed in the, uh, the history of the narcissist.
I'd like for you to be aware of my video courses. One is entitled Ready, Set, Connect. Now, narcissists are quite capable of throwing you off balance, so this course keeps you focused on the skills and the mindset that are necessary for positive connections. And inside the course, uh, we have various modules that and in, inside each module are lessons and each lesson contains a video, uh, written documents, and then questions that go along with it. We'll discuss things like how to have good conflict resolution skills, building empathy, how to be the authentic self that you need to be. If you're interested in enrolling, you can go to our uh, website, survivingnarcissism.tv, click the link for courses. You'll find Ready, Set, Connect there as well as the others. I hope that you would find them to be quite helpful. And now back to Surviving Narcissism with Dr. Carter. Now, um, another, and th this is kind of a, I might call it an esoteric kind of a need, but we have a need to, to know that life is a process. So the need to know that, uh, that you're in a growth kind of mode and you don't have to be totally complete. It, it's so nice, for example, if, uh, if you talk with somebody about a confusion that you have. When that person can come back and say, you know, I've had some similar confusions. Where are you on that? And so you can talk about some of your uncertainty, but you can also talk about how even in the midst of my uncertainty, I'm still growing and I'm still figuring things out. And, and I love the possibility of discovering what would be best and wise for me. And you actually enjoy going into that kind of process. That's a need that we all have. But narcissists, it's like, no, I'm not, I don't want to uh, uh, go be in a process. I want everything to be fixed. I want everything to be on the agenda. I want everything to be exactly the way that I'm supposed to uh, to manage. And, uh, and so that's the only thing that's going to make them happen. They don't know how to manage uh, that whole issue of being in process. It's like, no, nah, that, that doesn't work for me. And then why don't we uh, come up with one last need? Actually, we could come up with more. But the last need that I'll talk about is we need to feel like we can be in, uh, in harmony with other individuals, that there's a coordination out there that we can count on. Uh, it's so nice to know that when you are dealing with whatever life throws at you, that there's an us that you can relate to. Uh, for example, uh, let's say you have a kid and, and uh, they have some problems at home, uh, but then they also know that they have people that they can sit down and process those problems with, or there's just a, a group that's going to love them and accept them no matter what. Narcissists, again, don't have that sense of coordination or harmony because to them, conflict is so strong and they're, they're internally conflicted within themselves that they have a great deal of difficulty coordinating and harmonizing whenever there's that. And so again, the need for coordination, the need for harmony is not well established or, or uh, managed well. So we go back to this notion of neediness and narcissists being needy. These are individuals who have so many elements that are in abeyance, that are incomplete, that are not finished, that it's not at all surprising that they would bring a sense of incompetence then to relationships in their adolescent and certainly adult years. And even as they deepen, they just get more and more entrenched because they've never known how to address these core psychological needs that every one of us has. We all have these needs, um, but they never come to terms with it. Now, let me just kind of um, take an aside here. 
I, I know that you or perhaps myself, as we look back into our personal history, we can say, well, a lot of those needs weren't well established or addressed properly when I was a kid either. The difference between a healthy person and a, a narcissistic individual is not the fact that we you know, uh, have struggled. Healthy individuals, even if the needs have not been well established, can say, well, I'm always growing, so even if it wasn't addressed properly in my developmental years, today's a good day to start. And so that's why people that go into therapy or they just uh, have accountability with one another and they like to read or they like to listen to podcasts and videos and all, it's like, yeah, I'm always in a growth mode. Narcissists, though, it's like, no, I don't want to have to acknowledge that. You need to be in a growth mode, but not me. And so they, uh, they're, instead of going into a mode where they're thinking, how can I address my needs properly, they bring this sense of pathology. Now, there are multiple indicators that you can see in the behaviors and attitudes of the narcissists that show that their their neediness is in complete control of their life. For example, uh, one of the ways that narcissists display their neediness is in the pervasiveness of their immaturity. I want you to think, when you're with a narcissistic individual and you're trying to talk through some things, sometimes it may just be small issues, other times it may be really big issues, do you feel like you're dealing with a really mature and sound and reasonable individual? <laughs> the answer is no. These are individuals that can fly off the handle easily, or these are individuals that can pout, or they can become uh, moody. And, and so the, uh, in their uh, immaturity, they illustrate, well, you see, the reason I'm this way is because I never did learn how to come to terms with my inner neediness, but we won't talk about that. Or another way that they illustrate that they have not really come to terms with their own inner neediness is how demanding they are. How many times have you been around a narcissist and you've thought to yourself, there's an agenda here and this person has a fixed notion about who I'm supposed to be and they just can't be satisfied unless I uh, come to terms with what they say I have to do what it implies is narcissists have a very low level of trust. They don't trust the world around them because the world has not really helped them out very well. And their demanding nature is their way of saying, would you please compensate for all of this emptiness that I have on the inside? Now, again, that's not something they're going to acknowledge, but there it is. Or another illustration of how needy they are is, and this kind of goes right on the tail end of this, is their chronic criticism. In the narcissist's mind, it's like, you're never enough. I have all these demands and I have all these requirements and you just can't seem to do anything right. I wonder again, how many times have you thought, well, if I show up in that narcissist world, I'm going to hear, and it won't take very much time, I'm going to hear what's wrong with me or what I did that was inappropriate, or if they're not talking about me directly and criticizing me, they're criticizing other individuals because hardly anyone ever pleases them. And so the fact that they are so easily critical implies I just can't get people to do what they need to do so that I will feel better. That's their emptiness. That's their neediness that's on the inside. 
And as a result, another illustration or indicator that their neediness is in full charge of who they are is that they're constantly disappointed in other people. You know, how am I supposed to complete my task around here when I have to work with some idiot like you? Or how am I supposed to uh, to manage my relationships with our family members when there's you that gets in the way? You know, those kind of things. And so th- they're, they're hardly ever uh, satisfied with other individuals when in fact, actually, that's part of their ongoing fragility. Another really strong indicator of neediness, and this is uh, counterintuitive to the narcissist to think this way, is they're so attracted to the power position. So many narcissistic individuals want to be in the position of authority, or if they can't be in the position of authority, they want to latch on to the one who is. And so the, one of the reasons that authoritarianism, and, and we can just uh, dress that up or dress it down and just say bossiness or forcefulness, one of the reasons that's so appealing to them is that's their way of thinking, hey, with me being the authority or me being associated with the authority, that means that I am a force to be reckoned with. You need to pay attention to me. And that's their neediness because the implication is if they just kind of show up without being overbearing, you might not even pay any attention to them at all. Uh, that's their emptiness that's there. Another illustration of their the pervasiveness of their neediness is how willing they are to exploit other individuals. It's like, well, people exist to prop up my ego. Come on. What are you doing? And so they're willing to lie their way into getting their needs met. Or if you have something to offer, they're willing to make promises to you. And then they won't follow through because once they get what they want from you, then you're you're no longer useful to them. Just whatever util- your utility is to them, then that's what they're attracted to. But their willingness to exploit implies, again, I don't have uh, strength from the inside out to just be an okay person. I have to use and manipulate and abuse you so that I can walk away thinking that my ego is intact. (laughs) When you put it that way, you look, it's like, man, they don't use very good logic here, do they? And then another way that they can illustrate their neediness, and again, this can seem a little counterintuitive, is ultimately they may decide, why would I care about you? In other words, I'm looking to you to be someone to fill my neediness and you're just not coming through. And so they can just give you the brush off and the the silent treatment or they hold you in contempt and you're given the stonewall treatment. All of these are illustrations of the, the narcissist drawing upon a big, huge bucket of nothing from the inside out. Okay. Now, once you begin seeing how dysregulated narcissists are from the inside out and how they're needy and they've not learned to address their needs from the inside out, I hope that two different kinds of thoughts uh, will begin to come to the surface with you. And first, uh, related to the narcissist, I'm hoping you can think, you know, this is not someone that I want to take my cues from. And so when they try to convince you that you're inadequate or you don't measure up to their standards, it's like, yeah, that's because you have such an agenda for me that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with me because if I wasn't here, you'd be putting this all on someone else. And so I'm hoping you can realize that the narcissist mistreatment of you is a, a full-on commentary for their own messed up way of thinking. 
But then second, as you begin realizing how narcissism itself is built upon a rubble, a heap of unmet needs, I'm hoping you can go back into yourself thinking, well, where do I stand? in the way that I manage my needs, because I have neediness too, you know, all of those needs that I mentioned about affirmation and having objectivity and reason and wanting to be understood, but how am I going to address that? And I'm hoping that you can not just look at the narcissist and say, well, there goes somebody who hadn't figured life out. You can take what I call the therefore approach. Well, knowing that that exists, uh, therefore, I'm going to be a bit different. What's that going to look like? So I'm hoping that you can uh, use your understanding of their maladaptive patterns so that you won't make the same mistakes and you won't go back into the, the pattern that they're in. So to that effect, let, let's take a look at how that might play out. I'm hoping that in, in, as you try to address personal needs, that you'll say, you know, I am going to accept myself even when I have struggles and flaws. And I, and I want to have that inner strength that says uh, self-acceptance is not something that's up for a vote. Or when I see others uh, and that they think differently from me, I don't really feel the need to be competitive with them, but I want to consider myself to be a, a fellow sojourner. Likewise, as, as you come to terms with your own needs, I'm hoping you can say, you know, I, and I don't want to be a raw reactor towards life. Um, I, I want to know who I'm going to be, especially in moments of con conflict, and I want to live in a clean kind of way because I don't want to uh, demand that other individuals be exactly as I say that, so that I can finally be okay from the inside out. And as your needs are uh, managed well from the inside out, I'm hoping you can be all the more committed to kindness and encouragement. And, and you can uh, constantly seek your own personal refinements. In other words, I want to be the very best version of myself as possible. You'll be somebody who likes to prioritize listening and being a team player, even as you also have boundaries and stipulations and personal initiatives that would be an indication that says I'm coming to terms from my inside out with my needs in such a way where I benefit and I have a sense of, of decency and steadiness and, uh, and that I also want to be uh, a beacon of goodness for other individuals who happen to be in my presence. That's a style of thinking that narcissists cannot go into because like I say, they've not come to terms with their own brokenness and their own confusion from the inside out. Narcissists with their lack of needs being fully addressed from the inside out carry a great deal of internal pain. They have a lot of pessimism that they're drawing upon and that being the case, then it positions them not to be um, you know, good partners. It positions them not to be safe people but I hope that you'll decide, you know, I, I too have my needs and I've had my suffering and I've had my highs and lows. But you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the rest of my life to figure out how I can take responsibility for myself and be in a growth mode. And in doing so, I can have a sense of goodness and, and decency that I get to offer to other individuals. That's what we do here on Team Healthy. That's why I emphasize that Dr. C, DRC stands for dignity, respect, and civility. 
Let's all join together and continue in our uh, commitment to being that kind of person. Even as we address our needs, we do so with the understanding that says we're all connected and I want to play my role in that connection in the best way possible. Team Healthy, thanks for letting me be a part of your journey. I hope that this gives you some good food for thought, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Surviving Narcissism is the product of many years of work done by Dr. Les Carter. Dr. Carter is a best-selling author and therapist with more than 40 years of experience, specializing in anger management and narcissistic personality disorder. You can find more content from Dr. Carter on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Surviving Narcissism, as well as on his website, survivingnarcissism.tv. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We are so glad to have you on Team Healthy.